Hello and welcome to the Millennial Ag Podcast, where agriculture is always on tap and no topic is off limits. Thanks for joining us today, your co-hosts Valian Likely and Catherine Lotzbeach. A programming note for this week before we get started. We know we promised Kara Smith of Colorado Craft Beef for this week, but we've had to reschedule, so she will be with us next week. Thank you for understanding. We've made it to Thursday. Valine, how's your week been? Oh, it's been up and down, but the <laughs> tailgate's on order, and it's getting replaced hopefully next week, so things are looking up. All right, and so everybody else knows what's going on. What happened to your tailgate? Well, a few weeks ago, I came out to go to the gym, and it was stolen. So talk about police report, estimate later, and insurance claim. We're Just all the nice frustrations that go with that, and you're ready for the weekend? Yep. <laughs> never thought you'd have to walk a tailgate growing up on a farm and ranch. So, learn something new. and Right, the tailgate, much less your truck. Yep. <laughs> All right, well, um, hopefully we can bring a little bit of a better atmosphere into your day today with our latest episode, episode four. Um, we are here with really a lot of gratitude for the feedback that we've gotten this last week, especially from our episode last week about the beef that happened with Governor Polis and and uh, how agriculture can respond to those kinds of situations. So we've had some really great suggestions from you, our listeners, and our audiences on social media this week um, about about how that episode went. And it sounded like you guys were really pleased with the way that we approached that particular topic. We took a little bit of a different turn than a lot of you expected. But what we heard from from a lot of our audience back was that we made it very clear that being engaged and sharing your story is very important. But we didn't necessarily give you any actions on how to do that. And so this week, uh, Valine and I have had a lot of opportunity to reflect on that and really consider, you know, what are some really good ways to to take that leap? And um, <laughs> we're millennials, we come from the social media generation, and those were the topics or the ideas that left first to mind for us, but we decided to dig a little bit deeper, and so today we're, we're going to talk about some different ways to put the human face and the human interaction back in these kinds of engagements. So thank you for, for following along with us today, and let's get started. Yeah, we're excited, and I feel like a lot of times, especially as millennials, we we hide behind the the social media or tell our story. I'm gonna make it all glamorous and pretty, and this is how it goes. And put here's, the sparkles and the shine on it. Yep, here's my pretty red barn, my horse that I just cleaned off all the mud after she <laughs> rolled. Um, pretty snow-capped mountains, the cows calving, the calves frolicking. That comes across great on social media, and it's beautiful, and I love taking those pictures. But how can? But it, that's not day-to-day life for most um, producers. And how do we, how do we show beyond that? Because it comes sometimes across as unauthentic. Yeah, I think you're right about that. And I mean, we've we've heard this so often, you know, at agricultural seminars and conferences and all of those places that we all go. Um, that we have to tell our stories and that we have to be as polished and pretty as, as possible um, because, you know, we don't want anybody getting the wrong idea about agriculture. But lately, I think just that, that idea of inauthentic that you brought up is becoming more and more um, uh, widespread. And people, people can tell, you know, and they want the real, the real 
story of whatever it is, whether it's agriculture or something else. And I mean, you know, there's beautiful red barns and upright silos um, all across east of the Mississippi. With the chicken sitting on the old farm yeah, tractor and exactly. the cute plow and the flowers. And exactly. And how many of us actually wear overalls and, and everything like that. And there's nothing wrong with those pictures. And for some people, those pictures really do exist. And that's really how they farm. And that's awesome. But we need to be true to ourselves. And, and that will also help the people we're trying to engage with understand how agriculture has changed so much and, and what it looks like now. And what it's like going forward, because with technology and with the availability of social media and robots and all these things, for me, we still saddle up the horses, throw on our cowboy hat, and we go move cows. Great. Um, and, and the Wild West, to some extent, still exists. Um, but we have our smartphones, the cows are programmed <laughs> in, there's drones now flying out ahead of the cows to make sure there's water in the next tank and the dogs are there. And, right. and so some of that wild west or old pretty red barn with a dairy cow sitting out front, some of that's still true mm -hmm. for some people, but there's also the next step. And, and because technology is growing and we can see everything on social media, um, how can we... How can we take the next steps, I guess, Catherine, to go beyond the social media? Because what I, somebody once told me that what I, what I see on Facebook or what I see out there is not a true representation of what's going on. And we all want to compare ourselves or compare what producers are doing based off of what we see. But that's not their struggles on a day-to-day -day basis. Right. It's, it's a little, it, it's grittier and dirtier than that. And, I mean... As we've said, it's easy to gloss over that on social media and just show the pretty. So let's let's talk about some of the experiences that we've had um, with actually connecting with people. And I I am so excited that I get to talk with you with you about this because um, you, for as agriculturally centered and grounded as you are, you are one of the most um, wide open people that I've ever met to different experiences. And I I just think. The way that you live your life is really a great example of, of what we're trying to talk about today. Well, thanks, Catherine, because <laughs> I haven't always been like that. And I think I think back to it was about sophomore, junior year in college. And I had been in a place where I thought I belonged hanging out with agriculture people. That's the only people that I could connect with. These were my people. Mm -hmm. And if I was going to be true to myself, I had to be with them. And I was, my eyes were thrown wide open when I met a few in particular friends and they know who they are <laughs> um, that through throughout that time and they they opened my eyes to what caring people are they didn't have any ag background they knew how to work hard they knew how to have a good time and they knew how to love me for me like I didn't have to prove myself I didn't have to prove that I could rope better I didn't have to prove that I could kind of show a cow, even though that really wasn't what I was good at. Um, and I and I became friends with them. And how how did you become friends with them? Like what were what were you doing? I was sitting in, in sitting in engineering classes. <laughs> I was trying to take animal science classes too at the time, and I was literally sitting in engineering classes. And um, one of my friends invited me over to his birthday party, and it was like talk about stereotype. 
we drug our feet and we're like, should we go? This is an engineering <laughs> birthday party. <laughs> They're going to be wearing glasses and all nerdy and we're the cool people. Pocket protectors. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And they're... T- they're totally not like that, and they're some of the most loving, caring, open-minded people. And that, when you walk into a party, and they just introduce you to everybody there, give you a big hug, and say, welcome, we're happy to have you, that's where that friendship stemmed. And they, it took a while for me to get over my own ego of my agriculturalness, um, but I was started to be able to tell my story my story of agriculture, the way I saw it. And it was really cool because they started asking me questions like, what's this pamphlet that Pete is passing out on campus? <laughs> and, and I went off on one of my rants of, this is so stupid. And, rah, 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 rah. and I must have did it diplomatically enough because that same friend I was um, visiting a few years ago, and she said, I remember that one time we were walking across campus and you explained exactly what was going on on these photos and you didn't say it wasn't true. You just said this doesn't happen very often and the majority of producers really care about their their animals and there was a, I have a friend that's considering going vegan because of all this stuff and I said, you need to call Valine. <laughs> and so it's, it's being authentic to yourself to be able to have the, our mini rants um, respectfully, but to people that aren't, aren't the norm. And that just started, you know, my friend started rock climbing and I fell in love with it. And just that adventurousness that I think my parents ensued in me by riding horses all day on the desert and seeing new country and covering, um, really started me into rock climbing and hiking and, and fishing and ice fishing and things that I never thought I'd do, but that I've met so many amazing people and have been able to share at least the agricultural story with with those people. And you didn't even like start out in, intending to do that. You just you started making new friends and just the way that relationships develop and as trust and respect goes grows. I mean, people people know that that's your background and they trust you as an expert. And I think maybe that's something that we've sort of overlooked. Um, in in trying to advocate for agriculture that you know maybe starting at the bottom instead of from the top and starting starting with our message grassroots and you know trying to make that ripple effect happen because you have a friend that you ranted to and you had no idea I mean this friend she's obviously making a ripple effect beyond what you expected because because she listened that day you made you made an impact that way and I think one-on-one time sometimes is really beneficial because you're able to make that rant and they're able to ask the honest questions they've been thinking. Whereas when they're in a big group of people or you're talking yeah. at them, they're not able to say, Pauline, this looks really bad. Do you, Does this really happen? And I can say, yeah, actually, you know, it does. And, and I can tell the story about pulling calves at midnight or one o'clock and it's freezing cold and I'm you know, mom got hit in the head with a calf jack and there's blood everywhere. And, and, and these terrible stories. That's the that, story that we're going to have to dive into again later on. <laughs> Sorry, mom. <laughs> um, but those, and then say like, but this is, there's also the positive and those. There's all of these good things that happen too. Yep. And I had somebody one time tell me, um, I think he was a chef somewhere, um, but he said, if I were to follow you around with the camera, whether it's with your dog, your kids, 
your friends. She goes, I could make you look like a terrible person, too. Absolutely, yeah. So, yeah. It, it's, it's, it is all about perspective, and and we, we know that the sensational sells on social media and the regular media, all those places, but I think, honestly, um, having true down-to-earth conversations with people who want to learn is really one of the best ways that we can we can try and tell our story. Um, you know, in a few sentences ago, you, you mentioned being talked at instead of being talked with, and I think that that's something else that we sort of, we kind of get wrong in agriculture is that, you know, we're armed with all these facts and all these figures. We do know very best. We are the experts. This is our livelihood. It's day in and day out. And I think that that intimidates people. It, 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 it sort of inundates them. And, you know, I mean, I'm just thinking about other areas of my life where if I'm trying to learn about something, I want to learn about it at my own speed and not just have everything dumped on me. And if stuff does get dumped on me, I kind of check out. And, you know, I think taking the time to connect with somebody and figure out what you have in common first is, is, is a key to making these sorts of relationships work instead of just, you know, data dumping on, on Facebook or Twitter or something where, you know, it's really easy just to scroll right by because it doesn't engage you in the right way. And why do you think, Catherine, we do that? Why do we, because I do, I do it all the time, but why do we throw out a bunch of facts and figures to people and, and want it to stick? Yeah, I think uh, a couple different things. I mean, first off, you know, as agriculturists, if you think of yourself as an agriculturist, put aside the rest of your personality, we're pretty scientifically minded people and the numbers have to talk, right? I mean, it, it's got to it's gotta pencil out, it's got to make sense for the bottom line, it's, it's got to be the right ratio of this to that for whatever it is that you're working on. Um, and and we work in numbers, and even though I don't like math and I don't like numbers, I still know that agriculture is a business, and at the end of the day, the business has to pencil out. And so we're used to working in those kinds of terms. And um, I think the other thing, honestly, is that we've been taught to do this, because back in the early to mid-2000s, I mean, I was going to all the meetings with my parents and learning about advocacy and promotion and blah, 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 and all that good stuff. And at that point in time, that's what the experts thought was going to was gonna change minds, was good, solid, scientific fact. And if there's anything that we've learned in the last couple years, it's that even if your facts all are alternative, it doesn't matter because they are your facts, which basically translate to opinions, but facts just don't cut it anymore, right? Until you've got somebody's respect and trust and you've built that, that ground ground cover with them, your facts don't matter, essentially. It's, um, I'm reminded of a quote that I first heard from my state FFA advisor, Mr. Daimler, if you're listening, this is for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you told us on our very first day as state officers that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I think Maya Angelou said that, and it's the exact truth. I mean, you and I can spout off for days about all of the stuff that we know about cows, but if somebody thinks that we don't care about our cows or don't understand why we care, it's not going to resonate with them at all. I mean, we've had, we've both had conversations with people who are on the fringes and, you know, they just yell at us and they, they don't want, they don't want to, they don't want to learn. But at the same time, there's the people, you know, they're called the movable middle. The people who don't know do kind of want to learn, but they have to know why you care first. And, and they have to be comfortable putting themselves out there to say, 
I don't know, or I want to learn, or what do you think about this? Right, and, and that's that's a vulnerability, right? And something we as humans are evolutionarily programmed to not be is vulnerable, right? And so that's where the respect and the trust comes back in. Mm-hmm. And vulnerability is, especially in agriculture, I think, is something that we're taught to put on the backboard. Absolutely, yeah. We're not taught to be touchy-feely. And if we are, it's just for social media so, <laughs> right. that, so that somebody will buy beef. Um, but they don't see where our hearts truly are. And they don't see us taking the shields down and, and having the courage to say, yes, I want you, yes, I will allow you to come to my farm or I will come to the ranch and just spend time with me on horseback. And it's going to take maybe a longer day on the desert or it's going to mm-hmm. take a little longer or just a heads up, this is going to be a 12-hour day with us. We want you to come, but I want you to know that you're going to see all sorts of things and, and have the courage um, to invite them along to see the whole process and see how much you care because that's that's where my personality comes out or that's where my passion comes out is on horseback or pulling calves or running around in the gator and checking things. and Right, yeah, absolutely. And that sort of thing. And I think, too, I mean, you just talked about vulnerability and courage on the part of of people we want to engage with, just, I mean, we all know this, but I think it it bears keeping in mind and and reminding ourselves that we need to be vulnerable and courageous too if we really truly want to engage with with the people who, who, who buy our products. So easy to say that everything else takes priority. You've got cows calving, you've got wheat to cut, you've got corn to chop, you know, there's so many things that can take priority and there's always going to be something in your life as a production agriculturist. But I think something you and my husband were actually talking about the other day really resonated with me um, about about time and priorities. Yeah, I think we were talking about how priorities, if we don't make our consumer a priority or taking time to invite somebody to, to have a beer with us or sit down and talk agriculture with us or invite them to the ranch for a tour or even on horseback. Or to uh, go rock climbing together. Or go rock climbing Somebody else out there is going to make a, a priority, and they they have an agenda. They have an agenda to activate or the activists um, against us. And so, if we don't take the time to say, "I'm here to listen," or have the courage to ask, and I'm still not very good at this, mm-hmm. but have the courage to ask, "Why do you choose the milk alternative, or why are you buying the Beyond Burger?" Why? Yeah, and why did you choose gluten-free? Mm-hmm. Why did why do you what what drew you in about that label? Exactly. And it and I think it's because I'm scared. Totally. I'm scared to know It's terrifying, right? What what is negative about my industry? And I can get over allergies. I'm I'm in allergies are fine. That's completely I understandable. Get that. But when they start when people start saying that I like they don't understand feedlots or they don't understand beef or they don't understand why we can do this, that tugs at my heartstrings because <laughs> yeah. and I think I said this last week, that's what's paid my bills, that's what's got me through college, that's what's continues to pay my bills and supplement my income here at AgPro is beef. Right. And cows. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And as for that being scarier or, you know, a conflict, something um confrontational to talk about it's far easier to hide behind our screens our pretty pictures even just our keyboards you know and not really face up to this reality that truly is happening in our world people 
have the leisure time to want to know where their food comes from. And we can't, we can't be content with just, just, you know, just producing our product. We, we have to engage with our consumers because, because other people are, and it's, it's turning out to be bad news for agriculture. Absolutely. And I can, I can say too, from experience on social media, you can, you can edit. So I can, (laughs) I can type and then I can edit and then I can re-edit and I can Photoshop my pictures and I want them photoshopped when they hang on my wall and I want them all over social media too because I love taking... That's how you look best, right? Yeah, and that's how I... I love photos. Um, But that doesn't tell my true story. And when I'm crying over a calf or where my butt hurts from riding all day (laughs) or... Or you're well and truly ticked off that somebody thinks that, you know, an alternative to your product is, is a better idea. I mean, those are emotions that we often show and... Um, you know, emotions are things that that sort of get uh, pushed down in our society. But um, as as my friend Damien Mason likes to make a really good point of, people are not reasonable creatures. They're emotional creatures. They make decisions based on emotions, and then they back it up with reason or with fact. And, I mean, I think being emotional in this case, you know, you don't want to be sobbing all over somebody you're trying to tell your story to, but it helps make you more real. Mm-hmm. And... And it's a hard thing for perfectionists like us to to deal with, but coming coming from that perspective, I think can make a real difference. Because look at the passion that you showed when you were ranting about PETA to your friend. It stuck, mm-hmm. right? And it's the passion. It's the passion they see and the care they see in our hearts. Right. And you didn't you didn't inundate her with facts and figures. Yeah, I just pretty much said what was on my mind, and and occasionally. Um, that's okay. It's, you can swing either way on the pendulum on no emotion or too much emotion. Right, yeah. Um, but it's okay to show emotion, and that's what I've tried to learn the last couple years is how do we balance that out, um, and, and tell our story and be, be semi-emotional or be vulnerable enough to show this is how I truly feel about the situation, um, and not get too emotional, but also not get factual and be... Because who wants to listen to the Charlie Brown teacher? Not Nobody. me. <laughs> so, I did that enough in engineering school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> so I think I, I think that we've had a really great discussion so far today um, about personally connecting with people and, and especially how you did that. Um, we did have some suggestions from you, our audience, this week, and we'd like to just throw some of those out there for ideas on how you might become personally engaged with people that you want to engage with. You know, it doesn't have to be the mom on the other side of the world. Maybe it's your neighbor just down the street or maybe maybe County Road because, you know, <laughs> you aren't you aren't farming wheat fields in, in suburbia. But <laughs> depends if you want to get your steps in for the day or not. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. But we do we do have some suggestions that we want to share um, that have that have also been been done and in upcoming episodes we'd like to spotlight some of these actions by by fellow producers um so here's a few of them just just from your comments and and feedback this week um if you're in the grocery store and you see somebody buying your product buy it for them uh it turns out somebody has actually done this and it gets it gets good results Invite your neighbors over for a tour. You don't have to invite the White House. You don't have to invite, you know, the Russian trade delegation or whatever. 
invite your neighbors who have maybe never been in a tractor. Um, they can e your neighbors can either be your greatest advocate or your, or your greatest critic. So that's that can be a whole nother episode in itself, but I just wanted to throw that tidbit in there. Absolutely. Um, some some commenters that we had say they have an open house every year. You know, when harvest is done or when spring planting is done, they invite the neighborhood over and they grill some burgers and they have ice cream sandwiches and they just let people look around the operation. Um, you know, that doesn't mean that you have to let them into the calving barn or anything, but but just showing people what you do. People are fascinated by, by what goes on on a production agriculture operation. Um, this one I really enjoyed. Go to a Chamber of Commerce meeting. Uh, you know, if there's an issue that affects you and your operation, just show up and tell your, just say what you're doing. Just tell people what you get up to and, and, and why you're doing it. And if why you're doing it is to provide an economic benefit to your community, so much the better. That's what your Chamber of Commerce ought to be, ought to be focused on, right? Absolutely. Um, host school field trips. Little kids love tractors. They love playing with babies of any kind. They want to sit on a saddle. They want to do all of those sorts of things. And they can be really great advocates, too, because they go home and tell their parents, hey, mom and dad, guess what I did today? Oh, and even playing, we, my cousin um, teaches kindergarten, brought hers over to our ranch, and their biggest excitement was we let them run around in the arena, <laughs> which is just dirt. And they had the biggest sandbox in the whole entire world right. to play in and dig holes and do whatever. So the little things make them happy. Absolutely, it does. It doesn't have to be a huge fancy production with with bells and whistles and sparkles and, and fancy banners and catered food. Just be real. Just be yourself. I mean, people people will appreciate you for, for, for your honesty and for your vulnerability. And then this last suggestion that we got I think is a really cool one and I think it would be really fun to implement. Um, but do a career night. Maybe partner with the ag ed program or the technical education program at your school and do a career night and brainstorm all the jobs that happen on your production agricultural operation whether it's a nutritionist for your animals the vet the mechanic um the sales guy the the it person who helps you figure out what the hell, heck your software, <laughs> software is doing um there's so many different hats that we have in agriculture that you know we often don't even think about i mean we don't we don't we don't um, have just two or three jobs on the farm anymore. There, it's a whole team of people who help help do what we do. And, you know, I think we know, actually, that people would be interested in those types of things. Engineers, for heaven's sake. No, <laughs> <I didn't care. laughs> There's all sorts of crossover that you don't think about. And you don't have to be 100% in agriculture, but just having that education or knowing that there's crossover between the banker and the... Even the construction workers, the that are, lawyer, the, the yep, yeah, all the people the, we work with on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah. There's some crossover for what people, for what kids want to be when they mm -hmm. grow up, and and you'll be able to find a you know common ground with with their parents too once you start digging into these connections. Absolutely. So this has been a really fun episode to do um, to to really critically think about some of the the stronger connections that we've made and realizing that it's not because of or not necessarily just because of the work that you know we thought was necessary on social media or with pictures or making sure everything looks perfect so we thank you for listening we would like to ask you our listeners um, a couple questions first for our producers 
what do you do on your farm to engage people? What can you do? How how do you get people to understand what you're doing? How do you show them? How do you tell them? How do you engage them? Even if it's taking five minutes each day and making intentional time for, for something or somebody at the grocery store. Talking to your mailman when you're going to get the mail at the end of the driveway. Something as simple as that. Um, we really do want to hear from you, for, so let us know. And then for our consumers, we don't want to leave you out of this conversation because... <laughs> you're half of it. <laughs> yeah, you're half of it, and it's entirely too easy to do. You know, we get so focused on the how that we forget the who. And you are the who. How how do you want to be engaged with? What? How do you want to talk? Do you want to talk to farmers? How How do you want to learn this information? How do you develop and build trust? How do you want to be engaged with? How can we talk with you and not at you? And what are your key? What do you like? What do you like to hear? But what do you want to know? What What would you take time to learn about too? Do you want the farm tour, or do you just want a social hour with with farmers and ranchers and be able to just break those barriers down over a glass of wine or a um, beer, iced tea. How, how do you digest the message the best? And I mean, what role, what, what, how does that message get to you best? Is it social media? Is it at the yearly block party with your, with your neighborhood farmer? <laughs> how, how can we do better for you? Thank you so much for listening. We've had a great time this week. Next week, we promise that we will have Kara Smith for you. And we're looking forward to some great feedback, comments, and whatever you have to say to us. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Millennial Ag Podcast. Feel free to reach out to us, provide feedback, and submit your questions. Our email address is katherine at millennialag.com. That is Catherine with a -A K-A-T-H-A-R-I-N-E. And please follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Also, rate us on your favorite podcast platform.